Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. We are on episode number 65. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. We are so happy to be here all together again. Be back with you guys listening from whatever part of the world you are at on. On. (laughs) What? Our Instagram is... At Modern Yogi Podcast. Is that what you were trying to say? No. no, no what part of the world you are from. Oh. We're happy to that you're with us. I understand. Yeah. You know, we're getting so many random messages from all over the world. And we're, we're really so have. grateful. Yeah. So grateful. Thank I you thought always. it was just like America and, you know, a little bit of my cousins in India. <laughs> I thought that it was, was just it. like barely California. I know. I know. I know. I know. But literally there's you guys all over the planet hearing us, which is still mind boggling. <laughs> so we so much appreciate you guys. Yes. We are so grateful to have have you listen. Yes, yeah. my name is Shama Sangeeta. My name is Priya Darshini. And I am Shamali, and welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. And we are on chapter nine, text number two. Yes. Right. Very so, brief recap of the last episode, please. We so, just started the chapter nine, the most confidential knowledge, right? We right. talked about, we we don't know yet what it's going to be. Krishna's preparing us. He's like, right. are you ready? He's are like, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. And it just keeps getting more and more and more intimate because already chapter seven and eight were even more confidential. In chapter seven, we discussed the opulent potencies of, of Krishna, of the Supreme, his different energies, the inferior and superior nature and all these material manifestations. So now in chapter nine, the glories of of the Lord will be delineated. They're going to get even more confidential. Like yeah. Krishna is basically going to reveal the deepest secret that barely anyone out there knows unless you are reading the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. As, uh, yeah. If you were dating Krishna, this is the trauma bonding part of the, <laughs> of the relationship. So um, we're getting deep now. This right, is really right. exciting. Basically Prabhupada uh, gets a little ahead and he tells us a little information, right? And he tells us that this ninth chapter is actually about pure devotion. And if you listen to the last chapter, we talked about a few ways in which you can express devotional service. Mm-hmm. And so if you're interested in that, you can go check it out. But for now, you want to do a really fast, the nine things? Oh yeah, sure. Are you ready? Yes. Ready. Okay. Hearing, chanting, chanting, remembering, serving, serving worshiping, worshiping, praying, obeying, maintaining friendship, friendship surrendering, surrendering everything. everything. Woo! And we got really, kind of demonic at first, I and know. then it got really like a high like, pitch. Is that, could, could they understand <laughs> that? Or were we just like mumbling everything? But then go listen to the last episode. And basically, if you want to know the five ways to develop a stronger bond with Krishna. Five plus I love four. that. Because you know what? We it's, get, it's nine. Sorry, the nine ways to develop <laughs> a stronger bond with Krishna. You know, math is not her forte. You know, and you, you always want to associate with the math buffs because before you start anything you're like for those math buffs out there hey, hey, i'm catering to you guys um, there's like three people out there <laughs> really like hey i'm there too four yeah, people yeah. out there and basically we get deeper and deeper in this knowledge because as it said in the last purport simply understanding that we're not material is not enough it's not sufficient that might be the beginning of spiritual realization but we really need to know the difference between what are the activities of the body and the spiritual activities of one who understands that he is not the body And I really like that because that kind of starts getting into what's the difference with matter and spirit. 
Yeah. And the first step to understanding any of this is understanding that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mm -hmm. If we have this understanding, then these chapters will be very beneficial. So Exactly. And basically, we ended off the purport. Uh, the last text one was talking about not being envious of Krishna because so many times out there we can be envious of someone who has something that we don't. You know what I mean? So a lot of different scholarly academic commentators or just people out there might be envious of Krishna. That might sound funny, but if you start breaking down the psychology of it, we start having this deep-seated envious at, at the uh, deep in her heart that we kind of clawing at different things and mot motivates different actions that we don't even are on a very subconscious level. So no one can explain the Bhagavad Gita or give this knowledge if they have envy, if they're an envious person. So that's why we need to understand him from a... Envious of Krishna, right? Envious of Krishna, right. And th that envy can manifest itself in envious of your fellow people, envious of the, your neighbor who has this mm. that you don't have. And then ultimately it'll go up to envious of Krishna, which might sound like a leap of like someone might think, who? how can we be envious of Krishna? Krishna has it all. But that's why. But that's why. Because yeah. when someone here, who has it all or right. someone who is loved deeply, of course, right. like there's there's sometimes that 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 seed that grows like, oh, why do I, don't, I don't have it all? Right. Why aren't I the most? Or right. like, why is my heart life so hard? I just want to have everything perfect, right? right. And I want mm -hmm. everything as, as amazing, as ideal as Krishna has it. Why exactly. Can I, why can I be, why can the world be about me? Exactly. Mm. Why can I be the center of everything and everyone's taking care of me and paying attention to me? And, yeah. and I think when you hear it out loud like that, someone might think, ah, I don't have those thoughts, but they're deep feelings that we're just putting words to them. They're feelings that motivate action. So when we approach this text from a place of envy, we won't be able to unlock the hidden secrets. And we're on the chapter that's all about the most confidential knowledge. So if we want to be able to understand that Krishna is the true supreme, we have to approach it and hear from people that are pure, that are transcendental to all of these emotions, lower emotions like greed. And then we'll be able greed, to unlock. Greed, envy, anger. Exactly. Yep. Cool. All right. The invocation, ladies, please. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual teacher opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto them. Mm. All right, chapter nine, text number two, Prayadarshini. This knowledge is the king of education, mm. the most secret of all secrets. It's the purest knowledge and because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, it is the perfection of religion. It is everlasting and it is joyful, joyfully performed. I like Ooh. how you read that. Very, it almost like it beautiful. was a secret. Yeah, yeah, you read it like it was a secret. Yeah. <laughs> One more time, Priyadarshan. Okay. This knowledge is the king of education, the most secret of all secrets. It is the purest knowledge. And because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, it is the perfection of religion. It is mm -hmm. everlasting and it is joyfully performed. Wow. Ooh, I love so this. I love this because, and we can break this down now, and boy, <laughs> does this purport is a long one. So we're doing, we did all the legwork to try to give you the essence of it. So basically this chapter of the Gita is called the King of Education because it is the essence of all doctrines and philosophies explained before, because every religious path, no matter what path you're on specifically, 
at its essence is to develop devotional loving service to Krishna, to God, whatever you want to call him. It's love of Krishna at its core. Yeah, it's it's pure devotion. It's like we talked about the last chapter, right? And I, I love because Krishna hasn't specifically said so that it is talking about devotional service, right. but he's kind of hinting he's at it. He's alluding right. to it. Yeah, he's alluding. Oh, look at he's you saying, with that word. Alluding. Mm-hmm. Alluding. He's saying it is joyfully performed, right? Yeah. Like he's already giving us context. Like it's not like, oh, devotional service is like menial tasks and you're miserable doing it. Right. Right? And so that's really cool. Krishna's setting it up. He's like building this knowledge. Like kind yeah. of, you know, like when you're like, um, I don't know, uh, what's a good example? So you want to share a really cool story and then you kind of, so let me tell you, so this happened in a Tuesday and the sun was bright. <laughs> we're and setting like, the scene. You're setting the scene and you're right. setting all the information. So I think Krishna's doing the same thing here. Like we're, we're on text two and he's like, okay, it's everlasting. It's joyfully performed. Right. It is super secret. Yeah. I right. tell it to people who are cool like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the cool kids club. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's like a movie trailer. He's Ooh, like, he's like a movie trailer okay. to chapter nine. Like these couple verses where he's like, okay, this is going to be a secret. Okay. Right. And if right. you come really close, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. And it's, and then it crescendos into the, into the knowledge, which right. will be great. And I love how they say this ninth chapter is the king of all such knowledge. It's the essence of all knowledge that can be derived derived from the study of the Vedas, which right above in the purport, they say among the principal philosophers in India, there's Vyasadeva, who's going to come up later on. He's the author of the Vedanta Sutra. So a lot of the ancient knowledge from this ancient wisdom from India comes from the Vedas, which is kind of like a handbook to life. And that it's essence, essence, essence is this ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, it's so. the king of all knowledge. And the, to wrap up that sentence, it mm. says, uh, it's the most confidential because confidential or transcendental knowledge involves understanding the difference between the soul and the body. And the king of all confidential knowledge culminates in devotional service. So yeah, so basically... Oh, sorry. No, no, I was going to go on to the second sentence. Yeah, yeah. So basically in this particular text, uh, Prabhupada is explaining to us that most people are not educated in this confidential knowledge, right? right. People are educated in other kinds of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We're right. educated on politics, sociology, physics, chemistry, mm-hmm. chemistry, math, and everything, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so many departments of knowledge all over the world right. and many huge universities. But unfortunately, there is no university or a proper educational institution where the science of the spirit, spirit soul is instructed. Mm-hmm. Right. And Prabhupada says, yet the soul is the most important part of the body. Without the presence of the soul, the body, ha- the body, the body, the body has no mm. value. Yes. Wow. Because there's no <laughs> university on your soul or figuring out your purpose or like no college right. course on understanding what we're supposed to do here mm-hmm. and right. who God is and who we are and what's our relationship with God, which are the biggest questions in the world, but nobody studies it in college. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, we have Priya and I are both teachers. She used to be, and I'm currently still a teacher until I get out of that world. No, I'm kidding. It's a great world to be in. It's just, it can be exhausting. Many tired teacher jokes, but as a teacher, this is 100% correct. There's no class out there that deals with the most essential aspects of life, which is what is our purpose? What, what are we doing here? You know, what is this all about? Mm-hmm. What we, what, how do we reconnect with ourselves, with our source? How do we have inner peace through all the commotion of life? People leave with their degrees and feel so purposeless, you know? Sometimes. Some people feel very purposeful. Yeah, but yeah, yes, yeah. But yes. Some people feel purposeful, but to a certain to extent. To an extent, yes. Yeah. Like there's got to be a time where it, exactly. it runs. 
exactly. Because yeah. you can be the most successful doctor, lawyer, and that can be your purpose. But years down the road, if you don't have a spiritual outlet, yes. you're going to feel it's all been meaningless, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And actually connecting it to education out there, my whole master's thesis when I did the education program, I might have mentioned this before, I happened to it was within a master's in education. So I didn't think I'd get to talk about spirituality, but for the year long thesis, I got a professor who loves spirituality and he said, "Eh, study whatever you want. And I was like, yes, divine intervention. Thank you, Krishna, because I decided to do my entire master's thesis, analyzing spirituality in children. And basically I compared children who haven't had the opportunity to have a spiritual foundation compared to those who do have a spiritual foundation and how that affects themselves in three sectors we analyzed. It was mental health, personal growth, and academic re, uh, academic resilience. And mm. what were the results And the results, and they were derived from the direct students that we teach. I teach fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, 350 students that I was able to analyze and gather data and studies. And it was so cool to see the scientific results from this study showed that the children who had some form of a spiritual foundation Regardless of whether it's religious or not, they had some outlet. They excelled vastly greater in those three sectors than children who didn't have a spiritual Mm, foundation. And through conducting this thesis study, there's so much research out there that shows the physical benefits, the mental benefits, the on every aspect you can think of of life is benefited by having a spiritual outlet. So it's not just us spiritualists talking about this. There's concrete scientific evidence out there that shows the deep benefits of this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And the original professor of this world, let's call him Dr. Krishna. He oh, said, I love that. Dr. <laughs> Krishna. This is the knowledge that is the king of education. Mm. Wow. And that, and your, your, your science stuff just backed it up. My yeah. science stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Science stuff. Yeah, because we have some people out there that think this is just religious fanaticism and it is absolutely not so even if you don't have the faith to believe in this yet okay go the scientific route science shows this is beneficial so from any route you want to approach it this is still beneficial you know and Priya had read the little section about stressing the importance of the soul which is the most important and there's a beautiful little tidbit uh in this because especially uh, talking about the soul, especially from the second chapter onwards, it stresses the importance of the soul because in the very beginning, right off the bat, Krishna says that this body is perishable and the soul is not perishable. So already we're starting to get, Prabhupada said, that's already the beginning of confidential knowledge, simply knowing that the spirit soul is different from the body and that its nature is what? Immutable, indestructible, and eternal. I know we talked about the aspects of the soul so much, we squeezed the juice out of that. (laughs) But that gives no positive information about the soul because sometimes people are under the impression that the soul is different from the body and that when the body is finished or it's liberated from, that we're liberated from the body, the soul kind of goes into this void and becomes impersonal. But is that what we believe in, in the path of bhakti? Does nope. the soul go into an impersonal void? No. 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 It goes into a petite bebe, right? <laughs> if you reincarnate again. Yeah. Right. So basically, Prabhupada here is saying, how can the soul, which is so active within the body, be inactive after liberation from the body? It's always active. So this line I love, if it is eternal then the soul is eternally active and its activities in the spiritual kingdom are this most confidential part of spiritual knowledge. Again, that last line, the activities of the soul, once it goes back to the spiritual kingdom, is what this whole most confidential spiritual knowledge chapter is all about. And therefore, here we're going to 
talk about what is called the king of all knowledge, the most confidential part of the knowledge. Mm, love that. And in the second sentence, it, it is the purest knowledge. And this mm. is the, the part that I want to dissect a little bit. Okay. Christian says, because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, mm. it is the perfection of religion. What does Ooh. that mean? Ooh, the, say, can you read it again? You? Right. So Krishna says, this, like, this is the purest knowledge. And right. because it gives direct perception of the self by realization, mm. it's therefore the perfection of religion. Because it helps you understand who you are yes. and your relationship to Krishna. Right. Yes. Then it's the best knowledge you right. can have. And it's the perfection of religion, right? Like, That's a religion, pretty bold statement. Yeah, right? Religion gets such a bad rap because like there's like so many, like a lot of times rules and regulations. There's like people, people be like, oh, I don't want to believe in religion because it starts all these wars. Yeah, because people don't understand what the point of religion is. They don't yeah. understand what the point of spirituality is. They don't understand that like this is a beautiful, loving relationship with something mm -hmm. greater than yourself and it's not about how many people that you can get on your side or how many how many how much land that you can get for your, your people and not and take away from right. other people mm. like it's not about all of that stuff it's right. about this beautiful loving bond with god and i mean now with the social landscape out there there's so much going on mm -hmm. we're on the brink of like catastrophes going on in other countries that we're always on the brink of catastrophe i feel and right now particularly for people that follow the news it's really bad so if people can just have this mindset of what is really important that would radically shift everything yeah. i think everything would fall more into place it's not like you say this war on land on power on money and that's kind of like uh, the story as old as time right yeah. yeah i think the real struggle that everyone faces in life is this existential crisis like i think everyone goes through one at one point or another mm -hmm. every like, day you know what yeah, i mean every day. <laughs> and so this like what the point that you're making is Im very important because it all starts with us right mm -hmm. us our mind it, it's so incredibly simple and yet so hard to understand how it's like our mind is sometimes our enemy and mm -hmm. we create harder circumstances for ourselves. And so it's just right. like understanding ourselves, understanding our relationship, what we're meant to do. It it really is the best knowledge because mm -hmm. once right. you get a clear understanding, you're, you're, uh, we were talking about immovable forces or like, move, like, like, ugh, I don't know if I'm okay. You, the idea that there is so much in the world that is pushing, shoving, right. going through you and just kind of trying to shape you and push you in some direction, right? Some of those forces are Krishna and some of those forces are not. They're mm -hmm. karma, they're mm. maya, they're all these the other planets, forces, right? The planetary influences, yeah. astrology, <laughs> all these things yes. kind of pushing, shoving, kind of guiding you, some suffering, some of these, all these things happen. So what we want to understand and what we want to know is, wait, who am I? What's my purpose? And what am I doing here? Because understanding all of that makes you so steady right. and strong that no matter what forces are coming mm. at you, you're just standing there breathing, peacefully going, yeah. yep, I got this. It's mm -hmm. okay. These things are happening. This right. is happening. But you know what? I know what my purpose is. I know who totally. I am. I know where I'm going. And like these things don't have to derail me. These things don't mm -hmm. have to, uh, you know, all mm -hmm. of that. Right. So, it's, so mm -hmm. it is the most confidential knowledge. Like how, right. and it is so personal. Right. But it's also Krishna's like, I got it. All of you can take it. I'm going to tell you and each one of you can personally take that knowledge and apply it to yourselves right. independently mm. right. and still be sort of uh, it's effective to everyone, even though it's so general. Yep. Right. right. Yep. And it's fascinating. I love that. I love that you're bringing up all these forces. And one of the biggest forces that you mentioned is karma, because there's a really beautiful little summary here in the purport on karma that it says when the seed of a particular tree is sown. 
The tree doesn't appear immediately to grow. It takes some time. It's first small sprouting plant, then it becomes the form of a tree. It bears flowers and fruits. And when it's complete, the flowers and fruits are enjoyed by the persons who have sown the seed of the tree. Similarly, a man performs a sinful act and like a seed, it might take time to fructify. There are different stages. The sinful action might have already stopped within the individual, but the results of the fruit of that sinful action are still to be enjoyed. So it breaks it down. There are some sins which are still in the form of a seed that's about to grow. There are others which are already fructified and are giving us the fruit which we are enjoying as either distress and pain or as maybe good karma. And we're enjoying all of that. But either way, it's all at different stages. But for those of us who are engaged in this devotional service, which as we said, is the king of all knowledge of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all these sinful reactions, whether they're fructified or in the stalk or in the form of a seed, they gradually vanished. Therefore, the purifying potency of devotional service is super strong. And I want to say one last thing about this, this concept of karma, because there's a teacher in this line that connects karma to giving feedback. And he says, when Krishna wants to give us feedback, he gives us karma. But is it always instant karma? No, no. <laughs> it's spread out at different moments in the right timing. So think about when you want to give someone all the good feedback, you have to think of the right timing, the right motives. Is this coming from a good place within me? So I just loved that. When I read that, it just made me think of his class he gave on giving feedback to someone. Oh my God. So Krishna's feedback is karma. What an interesting concept. Okay. Right? Mm. Because when you think about all of the good things that happen to us, and especially the bad things that happen to us, yeah. you always have this moment of like, oh, Krishna, why, mm. why am I going through <laughs> this? Like what? And, right. and, and if we're smart in our bhakti, we, we try to rephrase it and say what is the lesson that I'm trying to learn in this <laughs> yeah it's hard to do that sometimes but right. that's what we should be asking it's like what's the lesson it's like right. what is the feedback that Krishna is mm -hmm. trying to give me in this moment and totally. how can I learn from it that's right. karma yeah that's and, yeah. and I like that it's not always instant it's just going to come at the right timing that's most beneficial for us Ooh. That's so cool. So That's when awesome. we want to just be the judges of someone else and like, here's the feedback you need to work on. We need to take a breath and think, how does Krishna give me feedback in life? Is it all instant? No. It's at the right, perfect timing. It's very, yeah. sometimes inopportune times in life, you know? <laughs> Thanks, Krishna. What feels inopportune, but what may be like, a, like, you need all of this right now so you can really like sprout and like, like grow from yeah. this crazy rain intense experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Krishna. Yeah. yeah. One other, unless you have another comment on that, there's the next section right after that is about perceiving the results. And I love it because it, they say that the, the results of devotional service are so perfect that you can immediately perceive the results. Like the results of when we chant, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And they say when you chant these mantras without offense, you feel some transcendental pleasure mm -hmm. very quickly. You can become purified from all the contamination. And I love this concept that you can just feel the results so fast. Like you can start feeling yourself become grounded, become peaceful. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, we can see it. 
in the verse Krishna talks about it's everlasting it is joyfully performed right mm. and if you really like put your heart and soul into this bhakti path and you do it with you know you in, like a sincere effort mm-hmm. you do it with consistency you do it with love in your heart you can feel that rep, rep, reciprocity reciprocity I just had a mouth fart no, that's <laughs> great. That's you can great. feel that reciprocity of love actually come back to you totally. yeah. but it's an experiment right you yeah. gotta you can't knock it till you try it yeah yeah so i mean Prabhupada has a lot of things he talks about here in the purport he talks about karma he talks about all these things one thing that i highlighted and it was it says a person who has completely ended the reactions of all sinful activities and who is fully engaged in pious activities being freed from the duality of this material world becomes engaged in devotional service to the supreme personality of godhead krishna mm. footnotes so, of that what does that mean so basically a person who uh, is done with our karma. Right. Right. We're not doing good or bad karma. We're done. I right? got off the elevator. We learned all of our lessons. We oh, got wow. all the feedback. The <laughs> feedback form has been filled out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every action we take is in with Krishna consciousness, right? right that's right. the whole point. And that's so, how we pause that. Yes. And so uh, a person who's done that and who is fully engaged in pious activities, right? We're doing service to Krishna. We are doing well to others, that kind of thing. Being freed from duality of this material world, not longer worrying about whether it's hot or cold, not longer worrying about suffering or happiness, just kind of being focused. Um, they become engaged in devotional service to Krishna. So mm. those are kind of like the, the ways, mm. the steps to get to Krishna, right? Right. So done with karma, done with k- making people suffer or right. suffering, you know, Oof. like all of that. But that's like and, a lifelong journey. Definitely. Exactly. It's a lifelong life. Lives long. Yeah. Lives long. Lives long. But you know what's very cool? It doesn't take any like advancement in this spiritual life doesn't depend on any kind of previous education or qualification. It's accessible to everybody. And yeah. because this method itself is so pure that if you just do it yourself, you become pure. And there's one part of the purport that actually really beautifully highlights this because they say a practical example of how this is accessible to anybody can be seen in the previous life of Narada. Now, Narada was the spiritual teacher of Vyasadeva, who we just mentioned was one of the great philosophers of India. Vyasadeva wrote the Vedas and the whole essence of the Vedas is this chapter nine, most confidential knowledge. So basically a short summary of the life of Narada. He happened to be born as the son of a maidservant. He had no education. He wasn't born into a high status family at the time. But when his mother was engaged in serving these great devotees, Narada also became engaged. And sometimes when his mother wasn't there, he also served these great devotees himself. So Narada was personally saying in one of these verses, he described his previous life to his disciple Vyasadeva. And he says that while engaged as a boy servant for those purified devotees, during they stayed with him for four months. And when he was able to intimately associate with them, he derived so much. To me, this shows the power of association mm-hmm. and of having the right service mood. Because when we're in that in that presence of a great devotee, it's almost as if their purity can rub off on us. They, oh, it yeah. trickles onto us. Yeah. You know, you can feel it when I'm sure we're with our spiritual teachers. We're around them. It's just like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm a pure devotee mm-hmm. sitting yeah. next to them, you know? It's, it's I mean, it, it's relevant to like anyone who you hang out with. Right? Yeah. Like you hang oh, out totally. with people who are maybe, let's say, really into nature there they like to hike they like mm-hmm. to swim then you become wow this is amazing i gotta try it i uh-huh. gotta be you know or you get uh, hang out with people who are like really into ketamine you're like oh love <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean drugs how do you 
managed to bring that up. I just love that word. Can we? <laughs> but you know what I mean? You hang yeah. out with people who are really into like drugs and like horse right. tranquilizers. And then you're like, and you're like hey, like, I love Why horse. not? Yeah. You exactly. Know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know that, that thing? It's like you're the sum total of your character is the sum total of the five people that you hang out totally. with most, right? Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's what so Prabhupada cool. says. You mm-hmm. tell me who you associate with, I'll tell you who you are. Wow. Right. So <laughs> when we are putting ourselves, and this has happened to me personally, like when I am around people who are spiritually elevated, my right. teachers, my gurus, I feel inclined to learn more, yeah. to to share more, to just be in that mood. It's incredible how, uh, you know, like the wave that they do at games, you know, like the, <laughs> you know, and they pass it along. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're doing all kinds of crazy yeah. hand motions right now. Ella needs to put this in a reel. Otherwise we're just acting like idiots in here. <laughs> but, um, you know, like that, it just like, it, it just takes over you and you just want to be part of this great, wonderful yeah, right. feeling. And so, well, and you know, before you continue just about that, you, the wave and it's infectious. My mind just went to something I heard back in ice skating. We were doing a, a, a class and we're all stroking around a big circle. Zoom, zoom, zoom. And I remember stroking means going in circles, right? Right. Okay. It's not like a, a something <laughs> sexual. Okay. So basically we were ice she skating. She had to clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gave me a big smile. And I thought, Sham only smiles that big with a few topics, <laughs> astrology and other stuff. Anyway. <laughs> So we were all going around in a big circle. You're stroking around. Okay. And then, wait, is that, a, is that an ice skating term? I mean, when you do strokes, they're like strokes oh, in the ice, right? Oh, that makes sense. Okay, oh, that makes sense. Like you move your foot one right. up forward and forward right. and so forward. Right, so we were like, doing got it. crossovers. Like it was, a, it was a, one of the classes. Anyways, go on. So we were going really fast around the rink. And my coach, I remember him saying something like, the person that's going the fastest, if you kind of are close to them, your velocity kind of tends to pick up a little. And that might even wow. work with atoms, like the one that's moving at a higher mm-hmm. frequency. They don't lower their frequency to match lower frequency atoms, but the lower frequency ones match those. Don't me on the atom yeah thing. if there's any scientists please dm us let to us see know the let us know because that that's so cool I, I feel i vaguely remember being in one science class and that might maybe if it wasn't about atoms but it was about the frequency energy anyway then that the, applied to, to ice skating stroke. so that's kind of like when you're when you're <laughs> around a great devotee these great devotees are so much relish, relishing the taste of this unceasing devotional service never ending to the lord they hear they chant their whole lives is that and when you're around that instead of their consciousness coming down to match yours. It's almost as if yours is elevated to match theirs, Mm, just like the velocity in these ice skating trainings or the scientific, let's say, energy frequencies, you know, that energy is palpable. It's palpable. Like spending time with people who are in, in like, even like coming out of a kirtan, right? There are some kirtans where I walk out and I'm like, oh my God, what just happened to my body? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you feel that energy. And that's why connecting to the story, that's why Narada gradually developed the same taste because he said, he told his student the whole story that by associating with these great sages, I too was able to develop a taste for hearing and chanting the glories of the Lord. And he developed a great desire for devotional service. So therefore, if we just simply engage in the acts of devotional service, everything will be automatically revealed to us. And we can also understand these ancient, most confidential king of all knowledge out there. Yeah. Yeah. Prabhupada says one who is in association with great teachers, Mm -hmm. even if he is not educated or has never studied the Vedas, can become familiar with all the knowledge necessary for realization. Wow. Mm -hmm. So like you don't even have to, I mean, you just gotta hang out with smart people. You just gotta hang out with smart people and the smartness will just rub off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It it happens even with spiritual smartness. So um, so yeah, that's really, really cool. And they basically say back to what Narada, 
rewind, Narada got the opportunity and simply achieved the highest goal of all religion, as Shama had earlier said, and that highest goal of all religion is what? Devotional service. Devotional service to Krishna. (laughs) Yeah, I said that. I remember saying that. Yep, yep, yep. And Prabhupada here says, the process of devotional service is a very happy one. Su sukham. Mm. Right. And, and actually that, that just randomly reminded me of, uh, I, my family has a dog and (laughs) I don't know. I think we just, I, we knew the word. Okay. So basically we named our dog Suka. Okay. And suka is sweetness or like happiness. It's happiness. like this sort of like beautiful, you know, uh, sweet. I don't know. That's how we remember. My dad thinks we named the dog after Sukadeva Goswami, but uh, the dog is not being named after that. Anyways, so he was named Happy because yeah. he brought it's happiness very, to very you. Very nice girl dog. Aww. Nice. Named Suka. You guys want to know a fun fact? <laughs> what? Okay. okay. Do you know the name of Krishna's dog? What? You're not going to believe it, actually. You're not going to believe it, okay? Okay. The name of Krishna's dog is called Viagra. No. Yes. (laughs) Actually, you can Google it, okay? Are we sure that's how it's said? Krishna named his dog. It's spelled the same way? Definitely not. It's not <laughs> the same as the pharmaceutical drug, but the the dog's name is Krishna's. Let's, Lord Krishna's dog's name is Viagra. Let's, let's so, verify this. Abhijit, how do we say this? It's Viagra. Viagra. That's what I said. Say one more time, uh, Abhijit. Viagra. Viagra. That's what I, I said. I feel like this is like the episode in the Pink Panther when the teacher's like, "I would like to buy a hamburger," and he's like, "I would like that hamburger." Yeah. I would like to buy but a hamburger. Isn't that cool? Krishna name his dog. Well, the interesting thing is... Viagra. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Krishna has a puppy dog named Viagra, right? And uh, the interesting thing, it has a meaning. That The word has a meaning. Ooh. It's not what you think. It's, <laughs> it's actually Sanskrit for erection. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Sanskrit for uh, tiger. Wow. So Krishna named his puppy dog Tiger. That's, That's so awesome. cute. It's like, Tiger, come here. That was yeah. a funny joke. I did not expect that. For you. That was like, really hey, come here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's such a cool name. Krishna. So, I don't know how we got there. And so basically, <laughs> we were we left off on the highest goal of all religions, devotional service. And there's one line here I want to say and explain. It says, religious people generally don't know, or maybe they're not aware that the highest perfection of all religion is the attainment of devotional service. And that made me think, yeah, how often do we just go through the motions? You might go to church once a week and think, yeah, I'm religious. I just sat there, heard them talk. Cool. But no, we're trying to achieve devotional service. We're trying to engage everything the Lord has given us in his service. Service. And that's the highest state of any religious path you're on. Doesn't matter what you call him. You might call him Krishna, Allah, Buddha. Buddha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, anything. I was thinking when you just said that, it reminded me of like the idea of like, okay, you go to church and mm-hmm. like you listen to the hymns. And like some people might be like, well, I feel uplifted and I feel inspired. And like that, that might right. be true. Like probably is true for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think devotional service is this like extra thing where it's like, right. it's not just about how you feel. Exactly. It's about how you give, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a big part how of this world. God feel? We are fairly self-centered yeah, people. Totally. Yep. Like as a, as a race, as a society, as whatever as you want. As a species. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. We are very like much about how can I survive? How can I be happy? How mm-hmm. can I, 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 I. And in this case, Krishna is saying, yes, you are important. You are individual. You are everlasting. You are someone I, I want in my life, right? You are important. But mm-hmm. also let's be 
humble and exactly. generous mm-hmm. and considerate and and all these other wonderful qualities that pertain to being there for others, right? Yeah. And, and serving right. others. And serving others and showing uh, love to others because right. Krishna says he loves the most that devotee who is... Uh, loving to his devotees, mm-hmm. right? Who serves yeah. his devotees. Yeah. So, and anyone can engage in this. To sum up the story of Narada, basically, we talked about this at the end of cha- the very last cha- uh, purport of chapter eight, went into how Vedic knowledge is required generally for self realization. But this whole story about Narada shows that Narada never went to some spiritual school with a spiritual teacher. He wasn't educated in Vedic principles, but he got to acquire the highest result of Vedic studies. So, this process is so potent that even if you don't do all of the other religious processes, if you just hear from someone who's pure themselves, you too can be raised to the Mm -hmm. highest, highest platform. So I love doing this with you guys because part of this is discussing with devotees who are sincere and open-hearted. And that's what we're doing every single week when you tune into at Modern Yogi Podcast. Yep. And Priya, something about what you what you said is like, it's like not only about us, but it's like how you serve other people, but it's also how you cooperate with other people, mm-hmm. right? Totally. Because Prabhupada said, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, your love for me will be shown by mm-hmm. how you cooperate with each other, Aww, right? And that's it's beautiful. Like, it's not just about like us, like pushing the movement forward, but it's also about like us getting along with other devotees, even non-devotees, you know, how we get along with everyone and how we serve everyone. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, I love that so much. And I think it's very true. I think the the more we understand ourselves, the more we understand Krishna, the more we perform devotional service to whatever capacity we can, the more we have, we develop qualities yeah. in which mm-hmm. we can be the best version of ourselves and treat everyone with kindness and, you know, like all of these wonderful qualities. So um, mm. yeah, that's, I love that. I love that you said that because I've heard you say that particular quote before mm-hmm. and I always mm-hmm. thought wow that is that is a really important huge statement wasn't that yeah. one of the ones that we just read in the nine steps of devotional service before surrendering it was let me flip the page back but basically about having good relations right oh keeping friendships keeping friendships, friendships right yeah. Shilapopa knew that and he also I think what goes hand in hand with that thing is nicely is the next part of the purport that talks about how joyful it is and how accessible it is mm. maintain good friendships this process of devotional service is just such a happy one. Why, he says, because it consists of Shravanam, Kirtanam, and how do you pronounce the last part? Vishnu? Shmartanam? Where, where are you? Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu. Smartanam. Uh, no, I don't think that's what she's saying. That's why I didn't say it. it V-I-S-N-O-H. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu. Uh-huh. What page are you on? I'm on page 379 at the very top. So that's a verse that goes Shravanam, Kirtan. Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam. Ah, there we go. There we go. So, yes. yeah, and they basically, he says, one can simply hear the chanting of the glories of the Lord, or they can attend a philosophical lecture on this transcendental knowledge given by someone who's authorized in this line, or even simply by sitting, one can learn and, and eating the remnants of the food offered to God on a delicious platter. So every aspect of what you can do on this path is so joyful. Prabhupada says, in every dated devotional service, there is joy. One mm-hmm. can execute devotional service, even in, uh, and this is the part how it's accessible, even in the most poverty stricken condition, the Lord says he's ready to accept anything you give him with love, uh, a flower, uh, 
It's, leaf, a, it's a very water. special verse. Yeah. Everyone has heard this verse before that verse. because... Say it one more time in Sanskrit. Beautiful. It's like Krishna saying, I no matter what, I will always accept mm. a leaf, a flower, a bit of fruit or water. And, and just with love and devotion, that's mm-hmm. all that matters it's to amazing. me. Things, these free you things. can get water in any part of... Well, some, some places have bad <laughs> you get water. water. You get fruit flowers, off a tree. Fruit. You get leaf on the floor. Like yeah. into flowers on, in a garden. You can so basically all these are free stuff. Yeah. Simple things in any part of the world that can be offered by any person, regardless of their social position, he's going to accept it if it's given with love. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's all that Krishna wants at the end of the day. And it's a joyful process because, you know, Prabhupada used to say like when he, when he started building temples and whatnot, and like the main thing that people came for, do you know what it was? What? Prashadam. Prashadam. Food. Yeah. Yeah. Food. Free, yummy food. You know? And who doesn't love free, yummy food? (laughs) And so it's a joyful, beautiful process. And a big part of our Bhakti Yoga culture is offering food to Krishna. Mm -hmm. And then after he eats it, we get to gobble, gobble, gobble. There's so many (laughs) like almost mystical stories in history of the Bhakti Yoga path that just by taking, let's say, a Tulsi leaf that's offered to the feet of the Lord, great sages become great devotees. I know we've said different stories throughout the podcast but it's just so powerful and Krishna accepts anything given with love. One of the last parts I want to say also is that it's eternal. This devotional service is eternally existing. It's not maybe like an impersonal or Mayavad philosopher claim that maybe they think uh, as long as we're not liberated, okay, we'll do devotional service. But once we become liberated and we'll become one with God, then we end devotional service. But that's kind of like a temporary view of it because devotional service is constantly going on. So Prabhupada writes, such temporary time service is not accepted as pure devotional service because actual devotional service continues after liberation. And I love this part. It says when the devotee goes to the spiritual planet in the kingdom of God, he's also engaged there in serving the Supreme Lord. He doesn't try to become one with Lord, the Lord. So when we go to the spiritual world, we continue our service. So that's why for a devotee, whether we're in the material world or in the spiritual world, if we're doing devotional service, we're happy because that's mm. what we're constitutionally, eternally meant to do. Ah. Beautifully said. Beautifully. Mm. And I know this has been a one verse episode. Please <laughs> do not fret. This will not be. There's just a lot of juicy bits in here, a lot of confidential knowledge, a lot of gems of wisdom. Mm, yes. And so, you know, we're not, it's not always going to be a one verse episode. I don't want anybody to be sad out there and be like, man, one verse. I'm trying yeah, to get through the Gita. One, one episode at a time, one verse at a time. If you but were there's to read a lot, this, of, a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. If you were to read this on your own, it's like three. This is the longest purport we've seen in a long time. Yes, it is. But um, we're happy to read it for you. We're happy to summarize it for you. And so we will get back to you on the next episode with, we're still in chapter nine, (laughs) text three. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi